Turn to Matthew chapter uh, 14. Matthew chapter 14. I think, I'm going to just be honest with you, I think this is a message that I preached here probably the first year I was here, and so it's been about four years, so a lot of you have not heard this message. It's retitled. It's been reworked a little bit uh, for where we're at today, but the idea of it's the same, but you see the title already. The title of it is, Are You All In or All Out? Okay, so here in Matthew 14, which is a fantastic chapter, there's so many things in there that we, that we can look at. So we're going to work through part of this this morning. We're going to look at verses 13 through 33. And so as we, as we get started, um, how many of you like Western movies? A lot of you like Western movies. I love Westerns. I love old Westerns. And a lot of your old Westerns, you're going to have a scene, right, that's going to be, I shouldn't talk about, we shouldn't talk about this in church, but it's a reality of the old West. They would be in a saloon, and the guys would be sitting around the card table, right, and they're going to be playing cards. And inevitably, in one of those movies, you watch, they're going to, they're going to at some point, they're going to come a place, and the guy's got his cards, and he's going to go what? He's going to go all in. It means he's confident in what he's got right there, and he's going all in. He's, put, he's betting everything on what he's got right there, and that's the idea of this, of this going all in. You know, we use that phrase a lot today in a lot of different ways. We use that phrase in sports today, and we, under, we understand that idea of going all in. If we go all in, I mean, we're giving it everything. This is, is I'm not, I don't have a backup plan. I don't have anything else going on. This is, this is what I'm doing. I'm all in on this. Um, but one thing that often prevents folks from going all in in, in anything, it could be something you really, really like. But the thing that prohibits us from going all in a lot of times is a fear, and it's, and it's typically the fear of failure. You know, I, I used to tell Gina this, you know, you're going to miss, you're going to miss, you're going to miss 100% of the balls that if you're playing softball or baseball, you're going to miss 100% of those pitches that you don't swing at, right? You're going to miss 100% of them. And so but we get caught up in this fear of failure, and, and, and the things that, that prohibit us. Why do we do that? Do you fear failing? Have you, ever, have you ever not done something out of a fear of failure, a fear of failing? Uh, maybe something that you even really wanted to do, but you didn't because you were afraid you might fail at it. Well, you know what? Not to try is to fail, right? So if it's something you really wanted to do, man, why would you not give it the effort? And uh, that's the topic, what we want to look at this morning, the subject of that. Are you all in or all out? I know Pastor Aaron's prayed, but I want us to turn our hearts again just to the word right now. Father, I pray you'll use the message this morning. Guide my thoughts, my lips. Father, these lips of clay, but I pray, Father, that it would be the Holy Spirit of God using the word of God that will speak to our hearts this morning. And uh, Lord, again, I, there's not a one of us in this room that has arrived. There's not a one of us in this room that does not have something in their life, some area in our life where we can, can, could not grow closer to you. So there's areas that, that, Father, this morning you want to do a work in, and I pray that we'll come right now before you and, Lord, just seek uh, your work in our heart and our life today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So let's begin there in verse 13. We're just going to walk through the passage, and we'll get to the, the climax of this story. Uh, but verse 13, when Jesus heard it, now what he heard was of the death. If you read back, you go back a little ways in the chapter, you find that they've just found out about the death of John the Baptist. So when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the city. So Jesus just couldn't get away from folks. He wanted to get away, have some quiet time, some private time, whatever. 
uh, a little R&R, and, and, and they wouldn't let him. The people came. They followed him. Multitudes, not just a few, not, not even many, but multitudes of people followed him. Verse 14, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Now, here's the interesting thing about the Lord. Anytime you see that in Scripture where he was moved with compassion, he did something. It wasn't, you know, it was never, he was moved with compassion and he got in a boat and went across the sea. When Jesus was moved with compassion, he did something. He helped people and here he healed their sick. There's a multitude of people. So you can imagine there's a multitude of people who are sick. There are a multitude of people who had a need. They go, you know, Jesus, I got a head cold. Would you just touch and clear it up? My ears are stopped up. Lord, would you help? That, to people who couldn't walk, to people who couldn't talk, people who couldn't see. And he healed their sick. He healed a multitude of people right here. So compassion always compels us to action. And so we as believers ought to look at people with the eyes of Jesus. We ought to try to see people the way Jesus sees them with eyes of compassion. And when we see them through his eyes and we see them with compassion, we're moved with compassion, we're going to do something about it. We'll be compelled to action as he was. Now, uh, realize the disciples see this. They're watching they're there. They're probably helping in different ways, keeping the people in line, in order, or whatever. Maybe, maybe they're even figuring out what's going on. What's your need? Oh, this is a greater need. Bring that one on up here. I don't know what they were doing, but they're seeing what he's doing. They're witnessing with their own eyes the miracles that he's working. Verse 15, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Now, they sound very concerned about these people here. They're very, very concerned. It's late. You know, these people, they, they've got a long way to go. We're a long way from town. We're a long way from their home. Lord, it's late. Would Send the multitudes away. Send them away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. Listen, I, 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 I've preached different messages from this text. And in one of those, I talk about the fact that it seems like right here, they were, they were a little concerned about their obligation. You know, Lord, send them on home. Because if they stick around here, they're going to expect us to feed them. We're going to have to do something. We, we as the disciples, as your disciples, they're here to see you, and we're part of the committee here, so we're going to have to do something. There's going to be some expectation on us. Lord, would you go ahead and send? send Lord, it's a long way home. Need to, need to send them home now. Get them on their way so they can get home and buy some food. And, and the Lord said, no, no, no. They don't need to go home. You feed them. They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Folks, we do the same thing they did right here. We, I'm convinced that we miss opportunities to minister to people that God has sent right in our way, and we do all we can to avoid it. I don't, I, you know, I don't want the responsibility of that. I've got other plans today. We need to be like Jesus was here. These people came. They came to him. They came seeking help. They were there. They were a part of this. They, that, these are the people God has brought to them to minister to. Folks, we need to have eyes to see people with compassion. We also need to look on these opportunities and look for the opportunities that God is bringing into our life, the people that he brings across our path that we can be a blessing to, that we can minister to, and not be like the disciples and just want to send them away and get rid of them. Now, they didn't have the means to feed them. And the Lord knew that, and we know from 
from parallel passages in other, other gospels, we understand the Lord knew what he was going to do. It says that. He knew what he was going to do. He already had a plan in this. He knew what was going to happen. And so they said to him, and here's what they do. He said, you, you give them something to eat. So you can see the disciples screwing around trying to figure out how we're going to do that. They're looking for money. Are we going to go buy some food? Are we going to run down to the, the, to run down Chick-fil-A and grab some sandwiches? What are we going to do? We don't have any money. We got just enough. We can't even feed our, barely feed our group. We can't feed these 5,000 men plus the women and the children. We're talking about multiple thousands of people that are out here. And, um, and so they're, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And we see then they basically come to the end of themselves and trying. They come to him, and, and all they've got is this little bag lunch, these five loaves and these two fishes. So they found this boy. He's got a bag lunch, and, and they're desperate. And, and, and I don't think they were coming and going, Lord, here's what we got to eat from. I think they were going, Lord, this is all there is in the place. There's no way we can feed these people. All we found is five little loaves. We're talking about little unleavened loaves. Might be like, you know, something could be that. It could have been like a, man, it's like a saltine. Five saltine crackers and a couple of sardines. That's what this boy had to eat. They found it, and they're like making the point, Lord, this is all there is in the whole. That's all there is here. We can't feed them. Lord, what are we going to do? We have only we have here only five loaves and two fishes. And he said, bring them here to me. Now, there's a lesson in that for us. It doesn't have to be much. It doesn't have to be a lot. Whatever we have, let's just bring it to the Lord. Amen? Give it to him. You have musical ability, Avery, Amen? Now, I don't think you have a little ability. I think God's given you a lot of ability. But bring it to him and let him use it. Whatever gifting you have, whatever it is that he has blessed you with, it may not be much. And we'd all go, I don't have much. Well, little is much when God is in it. Amen? So bring it to him. And they bring it to him. But he says, bring it here to me. And then so then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples disciples gave to the multitude. So see the picture. He sits them down. It's order. He, he takes it. He thanks the Lord for it. Thanks God for it. He breaks it. He begins to break the bread. And as he's breaking, now this is one of those miracles we all want to see, right? We want to, we get to heaven. We want to say, Lord, I want to, I want to see the DVD of that. Okay. I want to go, I want to see that one. I want to see the, I want to see the parting of the Red Sea. I want to be able to see the shark as you, as you looking in the water right there and you can stick your hand in, you know. I, I want to see those miracles. I want to see how God does those things. I want to see it. This is one I want to see. And can you imagine as he's breaking and, and every time he breaks, it's, it's doubled. It's not he broke it in half and there's half, two halves. It's like he broke it and there's still two holes. And, and that just continues to go on. And so he's breaking it. He's multiplying it. He's giving it to the disciples. And now they're distributing, it, distributing that word to the people. Okay, They're giving it to the people. And so it, it, it's a beautiful picture of how ministry works. Because God is the one. He's the multiplier. He's the multiplier. We... Oftentimes, here's what we want to be. We want to manufacture ministry. We want to make it happen. We can't make it happen, folks. The only thing, all we can do is distribute what God does, right? So he makes us, he uses us as distributors. We are distributors of his grace. We shouldn't try to be manufacturers of his grace because when we try to manufacture his grace, we can't and we're going to, and we're going to fail. So what we do is we bring what little bit we have, what little thing we have, we bring it to him, we give it to him, we let him use it, and then he'll multiply it. He sends it back through us to bless other people. Beautiful, beautiful picture here what we see. 
how he, how, how he works. So they all ate. It didn't say they mostly ate. It didn't say a lot of them ate. It said they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now, those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So now the disciples are watching this. Again, I want you to see it in color, okay? Read it Read it in, in 3D. See it live. See it in color. See what's going on here. They've watched as he worked all these miracles of healing people. Now they've watched as he's, as he's turned five loaves and two fish into a feast. Not a meal, not a snack, but a feast for 12, 15, 18,000 people. However many it was. We know there's 5,000 men plus their wives and their children. There could have been fifteen to 18,000 people there. But he's, they've watched as he's multiplied and he did this. They witnessed this again, this incredible miracle. The disciples again witnessed that. Now, I don't want to ask you here, have you ever seen God work in a miraculous way? I'm sure a lot of you would have a testimony that you've seen that. You've seen him do miraculous things. You ever had a family member that was healed or, or been protected in a wreck or, or, or from a wreck? Or perhaps you see God provide for a financial need in a miraculous way. We've seen those things. Well, I've seen those things. I've, I've personally experienced those things. I've shared a lot of these. Before my junior year in high school, we were in a wreck. I was thrown out of the car. The car was on, had done a flip and a quarter, and it was on its side. If it had done another half quarter turn, it would have rolled right on top of me. And so, you know, we, and saw God protect us in that. Four of us in that wreck and protected us through that wreck. And I was hit in the head with a softball. Uh, I think I was out of high school. I can't remember. Since then, I've had trouble with memory. But <laughs> I got hit in the head with a softball, and I got hit like, a, a, like, here's your temple, right? And I got hit like an inch over. Knocked me. I just remember it hit me in my feet. I remember my feet kept going. And I went back. Next thing, people are, you know what they do. They're doing this. How many fingers? I don't know, about 85, I don't know. But they're doing this number. So they, they took me, because they thought I had a concussion, took me to the hospital and got checked out. And the doctor said, you know, if it, if it had hitched in the temple, that could have been really, really bad. So it only had minor, um, <laughs> minor things on me. But so I've watched the Lord protecting that, because it could have easily gone another way. Uh, I, I, I was almost hit, I, we were almost run over twice. Gina was in both of these, uh, once in Indiana, we almost got run over by a tractor trailer coming out of uh, Indianapolis, coming south. And then just a couple years ago, we were up there and we're coming out and the truck comes just right over. If, we, if I had not been paying attention, I mean, he would, have just, he would have just taken us out because he wanted the road and, and he didn't care that I had it. Uh, so I gave it to him. And we got over, we got in the shoulder. Unfortunately, there was a, a wide shoulder right there. But we're in the mountains of, North, of, of Tennessee when that happened. We've seen God protect us in those things. And I'm sure you've seen those. But see, the greatest miracle I've seen in my life is when God saved my soul. Amen? Amen? That's the greatest miracle. When I think of what a sinner that I was and am, that God would save me, that he could save me, that he did save me. That's the greatest miracle I've ever seen. Folks, our very life is a miracle. Very life that you, the the fact that you were able to get up this morning and come to church, you ought to praise God for that. It's a miracle. It's a miracle that you live in this world. When I look and I think about all the things that, 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 that uh, history, and you look at all the people you've learned about, all these different things that you think about, and go, wow, we get to be a part of this. Not only that, though, we get to be a part of maybe the most exciting time ever in the history of man. We may very well see the rapture. I'm believing we're going to see the rapture. Amen? Everybody, y'all ready to do a rapture drill? 
We used to do rapture drills. Y'all, y'all know that? You jump up and you, hey. So I'm ready. I'm ready. Ever hear a horn? And you start looking around to see if anybody disappears? <laughs> okay, because I'm still here. I don't want that to happen. But it's, uh, you know, my salvation. But our life, our very life is a miracle, folks. It's a miracle. Every day we have is a gift from God, and it's a miracle. I praise the Lord for that. And, and uh, here's the thing. We can see miracles every day if we'll simply look. We, we, we don't have trouble finding the problems. We don't have trouble finding the negatives and the... And, and, and those things. But boy, if we'll just look, the miracles are around us all day, every day, what God shows us. We just got to look. Verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Now, he did send them away, but he took care of them first. They, he did what they wanted. He just didn't do it the way they wanted or when they wanted. And he fed them. He, he took care of them. He healed their sick. And then he sent them away. But he sent the disciples away as well. He sent them on the boat, sent them ahead of him. And then verse 23, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountains by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. So Jesus sends the disciples away. He sends the people away. And what does Jesus do? He goes and prays. Folks, if Jesus... The Son of God, God in flesh, God incarnate, if God himself needed to go and pray, then then we certainly need to spend time in prayer. Amen? Every day, all the time. Amen? How important it should be for us to spend that time praying. If Jesus needed to get away and spend time with the Father, how much more us? And uh, we need to do that. Verse 24, but the boat was now, the Lord's praying, But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, um, I think the, I think this, somebody may know, is Lake Monroe over here? How big is Lake Monroe? Is it it about 12 miles long, about five miles wide, something like that? Is it similar to that? Similar in size, isn't it? It's about like the Sea Sea of Galilee. It's about, it's similar in size to the Sea of Galilee. It's about 12 miles wide. In length, it's about five, five to seven miles at its widest point. So it's not a big body of water. But there's something about the landscape there, and, and there's about 20 in the church here that are going to see this in January. They're going to be on the Sea of Galilee, and they're going to look around. They're going to see the mountains. They're going to see the, the, the layout of the land around. Their eyes are going to behold what Christ beheld. They're going to see what he saw. But it's amazing because the wind in that little body of water there, the wind can come down through the mountains and it whips in there like a bowl. And you can go from very calm on that body of water to a raging storm and the sea just raging in just in no time. They're on the sea and the sea is raging. And so they're, they're caught in this. They're in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And, and at this point, now these are, these are fishermen. They, they're familiar with the water, but here's what they would be familiar with. If you're in the middle of that sea when those storms come up, that's a deadly combination. They would have been scared in that. They're in a little fishing boat. We've seen the, the Jesus boat, they call it, over there. And they found this this fishing boat that was dated to the time of Christ. And they've restored it. They got it out of the water. The water in the Sea of Galilee had gone down. They found it. They brought it out and they've restored it. It's not a big boat. You put 12 people in that boat, it's full. It's full. These guys are on that boat. It's not the sturdiest looking thing to start with. And they're out in the sea. They're in the storm. You can imagine that they're, they're fearful in the storm. You ever been in a storm? 
Captain Obvious again, because here we are in Florida, you know. Uh, that's pretty much a dumb question. Have y'all ever been in a storm? And you guys, that's what Florida is. It's the storm state, you know. We have hurricanes. We have tornadoes. We have strong thunderstorms all year round. It doesn't have to be any particular time of year. We get them all year round. Lots of lightning, strong winds. We get hail. Okay. You've got to say that right. Hail. There's hell. There's hell and hail. All right, so I'm having to distinguish because y'all don't know which one I'm talking about when I say that word. But that we have hail and uh, lots of lightning, lots of loud thunder, all those kind of things. And you know, those storms can be scary, man. When a, when a, a hurricane's coming across and the winds are blowing high and, and all those things, it can be a scary time. And uh, imagine now, they're in the midst of it. They're in a small boat, raging sea. It's scary. And uh, you know, maybe, maybe you've gone through some storms in your life. Maybe a time of abuse, uh, abandonment, or divorce, or financial crisis, or lost a job, or a health scare, or death, or family problems, or Thomas accidents that affect us physically. I mean, we've been through storms, amen? We go through the storms, and when we're going through a storm in life, man, it can be scary. It can be scary, and, uh, and they can be scary for everyone. You know, with the winds blowing and the waves, they're fierce. And it feels like, man, I just don't know if I'm going to make it through this. And that's where these disciples were. They're on the midst of that storm, and they're fearful. Verse 25, now the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were, ter- uh, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. They're crying out for fear. They saw Jesus coming. Now, obviously, they didn't realize that's Jesus. Now, it's not every day you're in the middle of the sea and you see someone come walking. Their first thought wasn't, that's Jesus coming to us. They'd never seen anyone walk on water. Jesus had not told them, hey, guys, there's a neat thing I do. I mean, you might see it one day. I, I walk on water. You know, so if there's ever a need, you know, see somebody coming to you on the water, it might be me. He didn't tell them that. They're in the midst of the storm. They're already fearful, and they see something coming, and it's, it scares them. They didn't know what it was. Is it, is it a spirit? Is it a ghost? What is it that's coming on the water? And they cried out for fear. They were full of fear. Um, so here comes someone or something walking on the water. They didn't know what it was. So... When, when you don't know what it is, it can be scary, amen? Now, I'll tell you, when I, was, when I was about, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, me and my younger brother, my younger brother was two and a half years younger than me, and uh, he and I and one of our neighbor friends were going to go camping. So it was just a couple miles down the road. We are going to go stay at his uncle's and go camping on his property. So we go out. We go down this dirt road. He takes us way out there. We get out in the woods. We get our tent set up and everything. And, and we're, the three of us are out there. It's just us. We're going to spend the night out there in the woods. And, man, we're excited about it. We get our, get our rocks and build it. I mean, we, 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 were, we had it going on. We, we had the fire going. We got the fire going. We grilled our hot dogs on sticks. You know, we, we ate our hot dogs and... And we, got, we had some wood stored up, and we were ready to go. Well, the sun's setting, you know, sun's setting. It's starting to get dark. And we well, I don't guess we had thought about that. It's starting to get dark. And we were like, yeah, this, this is a little, a little creepy out here. And so we, we got through eating. We got everything put. We put a bunch of wood on the fire, and we got in the tent. And by the time it was dark, we're in the tent, okay? So it's dark, man. We're like, man, it's early, but this is scary. I didn't realize we're a little bit scared. Well, then, we heard it. 
Y'all have heard it, right? Y'all been out, you hear, you hear things. We heard it, though. Here's what we heard. We heard, we heard these bones rattling. And you, now you're thinking, oh, you're scared, you're just hearing stuff. No, no, no. We, we heard it because I went. You hear that? You know, big eyed. And, and we heard it, and it was coming, and it was getting louder. And it's getting closer, and we're hearing these bones rattle, and they're getting louder. I forgot to tell you, we walked right by a graveyard on the way to our campsite. So, of course, of course, there's a skeleton, and it's come up out of the grave, and it's coming. And we hear it, and we hear it. And as it got closer, we began to hear footsteps, and we heard the bones rattling. Now, we're petrified, and we're in the tent. This thing gets louder, it gets closer, it gets louder, and it's right at the door of the tent, and we're just like this, and the tent thing peels back, and it's his uncle standing there <laughs> with a big old mason jar of iced tea. <laughs> ah, wow. Yeah, you'd have been scared too, though. No, we were. We didn't know what that was. We, we didn't know what that sound. It scared us. I mean, we were scared. We were just kids, and it, and it scared us. I imagine that's the disciples. They're in the midst of a storm. They see something. They don't know what it is. You can imagine the fear that they had. I would have been scared, wouldn't you? Liar. <laughs> they were scared. Verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Boy, isn't that what's so comforting for us as believers? That when, when those times of fear, when we, just, when we just lean on the Lord, we draw close to Him, the Lord speaks to our hearts and says, do not fear, it's me, I'm here, I'm here. And the promise is, folks, He never leaves us, never forsakes us. That's a promise. You can hold to that promise. You, you can, that man, that I, there, I believe a whole lot of things, but I'll never believe that the Lord has abandoned me, never. He's promised never to leave us, never forsake us. He's there, He's with us. And, uh, and, and, and so, you know, he, he gives us that word, do not be afraid. And we don't have to be fearful in those times. And it's great to hear from him to tell us that. In verse 28, and now we get to the real crux of this thing. Verse 28, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, he just said, it's me. Don't be fearful. It's me. It's, it's me. It's, the, it's Jesus. Here I come. Don't be fearful. Fear not. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, Command me come to you on the water. Now, you got to understand what he just asked for. It, this, wasn't a, a, this wasn't a very flippant, this wasn't a flippant comment where Peter goes, Ah, oh, well, Lord, if that really is you, then, then tell me to come out there to you. It wasn't like, Lord, call me so I can swim to you. He didn't say, levitate me to you. He didn't say, beam me over, Jesus. Here's what he said. He said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And here's what, Jesus, here's what Peter did. In essence, Peter challenged God. He challenged Jesus here. He says, if it's really you, you call me to come to you, but call me to come to you on the water. He said, Lord, if it's really you, let me walk on the water to you. You're walking out here on the water. That's what Peter's asking for. What, what a challenge that he issues right there. I mean, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a question of faith. Lord, I don't want to just follow you. I don't want to just step out there and come to you. Lord, if that's really you, you're walking on the water. Let me walk on the water with you. That was a great, great question that Peter asked. And, and, and so verse 29, so he said, come. 
Now, I'm going to give you the CWV. That's the Conrad Westbrook version. And the Conrad Westbrook version of that right there, so he said, come, is uh, Jesus said, okay, big boy, come on. That's what he said. All right, big boy, you, you got it, Peter, you got it. Big faith, big boy, big dreams, big ask. Come on. He said, come on, get out of the boat. Come on, Peter. Come on, big boy. And so that's what he says. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, we blow by that a lot. We blow right by that fact right there because we want to get to him failing. We want to get to, well, Peter took his eyes off the Lord. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself because we're going to look at that in a moment. But, but here's what Peter came down out of the boat and he walked on water to go to Jesus. He, 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 got, he climbed out of the boat. It wasn't like he stood there. I mean, Jesus said, come on, and, and, and he went. Jesus said, come, and Peter does exactly what the Lord says. He climbs out of the boat, and there it is again, Raymond. You talked about it. You talked about it in your small group last week. You probably talked about it again this morning. Y'all talked about it here, here in the service last week, I think. But the idea is this. When, when Jesus says, come, what did Peter do? He went. Jesus said, come. Peter didn't go, well, Lord, I was just kidding. I, I, I didn't really mean it, Lord. I didn't want to get out of the boat. You know, he didn't go, well, guys, you heard what he said. What do y'all think? Should I do it? No. The Lord said, come. Peter jumps out of the boat, and he walks on water. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. He walks on water. Now, imagine that. Imagine. you got to see it. I mean, we don't have a hard time understanding that Jesus walked on water. This is just a man. This shows the miraculous work of God in Peter's life when he stepped out by faith. But what an incredible thing. Peter walks on water. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, this is a beautiful picture right there of salvation. That's a, pretty, a beautiful picture of salvation. See, the other 11 disciples, they're in the boat and they're fearful. And, and, and they are hopeless in that boat. And if that boat sinks or when it sinks, they're going to drown. That sea will devour them. The only thing keeping them up at this moment is that boat. And that boat offers a very rickety, very insecure uh, security of, of keeping them alive. But here's what the, 11, uh, the, other, the other 11 are doing. They're holding on to the boat. They're holding on to the sides of that boat. It's their security. And the boat's rocking, and it's up and down, and the winds are blowing. And they're gripping that boat, and they're thinking it's going to go. That boat will not save them, yet they hold so tightly to that boat. Can you see them gripping the sides? I mean, that's, it, it's like sometimes people do that in the pews. When God's speaking to their heart and calling them, they need to be down at the altar praying or they need to move and come forward for salvation. And they're holding on to that pew and they're holding on and, no, well, I'll just trust in me. I'll trust in my good works or I'll trust in whatever. Look, it's not going to do it. They're deceiving themselves by holding on the boat, deceiving themselves that it'll keep them safe in that storm. They're deceiving themselves. They're, but they're holding on to the one thing they think is offering them security in that point. Peter, Peter, uh, Peter steps out. But people do the very thing that the other 11 did. They hold on to things for security, hoping that they will save them. Maybe it's baptism. You know, I was baptized, so, you know, I'm good. I, in Indiana, man, we would ask folks, we'd go out witnessing and talk to people, and you'd ask them inevitably, you know, are, are you saved? Are, are, are you going, do you know you're going to have? Well, I'm, I'm baptized. Well, that's great. That's great. That's not the question. That's not the question. Uh, 
because if you're not saved, then you, you haven't been baptized either. So the, the, the salvation is the important thing here. But people hold on to baptism. I've been baptized. Or, you know, I'm a church member. I've been a church member at First Baptist Geneva all my life. Well, praise God. That's a wonderful thing. But I ain't going to get you into heaven. Okay? So you can't hold on to a church membership. No good works. You know, I'm a good person. Look, there ain't a good person in this room. There ain't a good person on this earth. We're all, you know, I, we, you know, my righteousness will get me there. You know, I'm just going to be a good, my right, our, our best righteousness is just filthy rags. Ain't no filthy rags going to be in glory, amen? The Lord's not going to allow you that. It'll be his righteousness or nothing at all. So we have to receive his righteousness. We hold on to good works. We hold on to, people hold on to their heritage. Well, my parents are Christians. Well, that's great. They gave you your name, but they can't give you salvation. They can't give you their faith. Well, my daddy is a preacher. Well, again, that's great. But your daddy being a preacher has nothing to do with you. You have to make the decision. You have to put your faith and your trust in Christ alone. You have to have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Or, they, you know, my granddaddy started the church. My granddaddy was a part of that. He was one of the founding members. Again, wonderful things. And we hold to our heritage, that spiritual, spiritual heritage of what our family might have done. Or we cho- hold on to church attendance. People think they go to church. Because I go to church. Listen, you can come every Sunday morning. Every If we did Sunday night, you could do Sunday night. You can do Sunday small groups. You can do Wednesday night. You can come to prayer band meetings on, on Mondays. You can, come to, you can come to every extracurricular we have. You can, you can be at all of that and still go to hell because it has nothing to do with your church attendance. You know, I've said that many, many people, you've heard this before, but going, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to Chick-fil-A is going to make you a waffle fry. It just ain't going to happen. It has the, the two have nothing to do with it, okay? So going to church doesn't make you a Christian. None of these things will save us from our sin. And if we hold to these things, just like the disciples held to that little fishing boat, we will perish without Jesus. But, Jesus, but, 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 but it was Peter who did what we all must do in order to be saved. He got out of the boat, the boat that could not save him, and went to the only one who could save him. He went to Jesus. Folks, maybe this morning, maybe you're sitting here and you've never placed your faith and your trust in Christ. This morning, we'll have, a, we'll have an invitation here in just a little bit. And today's the day you need to jump out of that boat. You need to get out of that boat of whatever it is you're trusting in, whatever it is you're leaning upon to take you to heaven. Because nothing other than a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only through that relationship with him that you can have new life, that you can be born again, that you can be saved from sin. we got to do what Peter did and get out of the boat of our own security, our own ways, our own works, whatever it is, and go to Jesus. we got to understand that we're sinners and that Jesus Christ is the only way. Jesus told us in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus didn't say he was a way. He didn't say he was a truth. He didn't say he was a life. He is the way. He is the one and only way. And what a, what, a, what a wicked God we would have if he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sin. And he took all of that and did all of that just to be a way to go to heaven. That's not it, folks. Jesus is the only way. He was the only righteous one who could earn us salvation, and he has done the work. He has done everything that needed to be done. The work is done. But you have to come to him by faith and repentance. This morning, maybe you've not done that, but today's the day you need to do that. So have you gotten out of your boat of false security? 
Have you trusted Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation of your soul? Today's the day. Get out of that boat and come to Jesus. Now, folks, you're going you're to face times in life when you have to make decisions to either stay in my comfort zone or get out of the boat and risk failure. Now, I'm not talking about jobs this morning. There's a lot of things. God cares about your job. God may very well put you in the job you have in secular realms and stuff. Not everybody's called into vocational ministry. Not everybody's called to be a missionary. But folks, you got to understand, there's going to be times where you got to risk. Do I I get out and do this for the Lord or do I just stay in my own little comfort zone? And, And my hope this morning is this, that when those times come, you know, I pray that you'll have the faith and the courage that Peter had and that you'll get out of that boat. You'll follow the Lord. You'll, you'll want to walk to him on the water. You'll want to go to him. And so let's look at the blessings of getting out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat. What are the blessings? The first thing is, is when we get out of the boat, we get to see God do miraculous things. God does miraculous things. Faith, listen, faith unleashes the supernatural. Peter did not experience the supernatural power of God that allowed him to walk on water until he trusted, as evidenced by his actions, of getting out of the boat. He could have said, well, Lord, I believe you could make me walk on water. And he could have stayed in the boat. And he's not going to see the miracle working power of God. It took him believing what God said and trusting by faith and getting out of the boat and seeing God unleash miraculous power. We get to see God do miraculous things when we get out of the boat. We get to experience, not just witness those miraculous things. Now, the other disciples witnessed this, and they were no doubt amazed. But I'm just going to tell you, Witnessing something and experiencing something are two different things. Amen? Yeah. You know, they, they, they did not experience it. Only Peter did, and it's not the same. It was amazing to watch Peter. Can you believe that? Peter's, walk, Peter's walking on water. Can you, they could tell that story. They could be excited about it. It was wonderful, but they saw him walk on water. Peter's the only one, though, that walked on water. Peter's the only one that could say, God He let me walk. I walked on the water. Only he could describe what the water felt like under his feet, what it felt like not to sink in that water. Only Peter could do that. You see, they could tell his story, but it wasn't their story. There's a big difference. Man, when we step out by faith, when we get out of the boat, man, we get to see God do miraculous things, and we get to experience those miraculous things, and we get stories to tell for the rest of our lives of what God did for us. When you see God work a miracle in your life, that'll be a part of your testimony for the rest of your life. You'll share that. You'll tell that. Those things that you remember when you saw God and the way he worked in that. And I've shared many of those things in my life because it's a part of my story. It's part of how God has put me together and brought me to where I am today. And you've all got those stories. But you don't see it till you step out by faith. And when you step out by faith, you get a story to tell for the rest of your life. Um, Do you think Peter might have enjoyed telling that story? You know, we never, we never read in Scripture of him telling that story, but, but I think the disciples would have been like, I'm not writing that down again. You know, it, I think it was a part of what Peter did all the time. Can you imagine the conversations that he started out with? He didn't go up and say, hey, I see you're looking at the oranges. you like, which one, you know? He went up and said, hey, let me tell you something. Let me tell you, Jesus, he let me walk on water. And they're going, what? And he's telling that story again. I can imagine even today in heaven, he's running around heaven going, hey, 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 
Hey, you just got here. I didn't have a chance to tell you yet. Let me tell you the story about when I got to walk on water. You know who I am? I'm Peter. I'm Peter. I got to walk. He's telling that story about what God did in his life. I, I, I don't know if he's doing that or not. I think it's fun to think about. But if you ever walk on water, I want to see if you still tell that story because I imagine you would. But we've seen God work miracles in our lives. We want to tell that story. Getting out of the boat grows our faith and gives us courage to face the next challenge in life. When you get out of the boat, because here's what happens. There, there are things where a lot of times we take a step of faith, and, it, and it's a, it, it may not even be a huge step of faith, but if it's your first real step of faith, it feels like a big step of faith. You take that step, and you go, oh, i got to take this. I gotta take, and faith, faith is like this. How many of you have ever seen the second greatest movie ever made? Y'all wondering what it is. It's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It's the second best movie ever made. The best one is Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's the greatest movie ever made. But in that, in that third movie, where he, there's a place where he has to take a, a leap of faith. He has to step out of the lion's head. How many of you have seen that movie? You need to look that up. If, 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 if you don't watch the whole movie, you need to just look that up. But he's at this place where it's just, you can't even see the bottom, and there's a cavern. But he has to take this leap of faith from the lion's head. And he's in this lion's head. And he sees the walk over there is the entrance. He's got he's to do this. And his dad's back here dying. He's got to get through. The only way to save his dad is to get across this thing. And he has to take this step of faith. And it shows him he steps out like this. You know, it's kind of overdramatic in the way. Who would step out like that, you know? But that's what he does. And he, he lays his leg out and he goes... And he can't believe it, but he lands and it's there. He couldn't see it. Couldn't see it, but he took that step of faith and it was there. Now, now the perspective changed. Now he can see it. And folks, that's what, what, what happens with us. We take a step of faith. We can't see it. We don't know. Lord, I'm trusting that when I step out here by faith, you're going to provide. You're going to meet the need. You're going to do. And man, you know what you see? You see him do the miraculous. You get to experience because now you, where you had no idea how he was going to hold you up, he holds you up. And he works that miracle. And now, boy, you can see the path. And that first step, that might have been a little bitty step. And it seemed like, oh, man, that's such a huge step. You know what happens is next one's a little easier. And now you go from, from a step of faith that was really big and a step of faith that's really big. Another step of faith. You know what? Now, now, now you're not stepping in faith. Now what are you doing? You're walking in faith. Man, it gets a whole lot easier. We walk by faith, but it starts with those little steps that are big steps, and we see God do the miraculous. It grows our faith. We take a step of faith, it grows our faith for the next one. Because as we walk with God, uh, you've seen a few times where you've had to take a step of faith, and you've got to take another step of faith, and you're over in India now, I'm sure every day you're taking another step of faith. Every day. We just walk, we walk by faith. And, it, and then it's not a hard walk because we've seen God do it again and again and again. The 11 disciples were paralyzed with fear and they missed the blessing of walking on water. They missed it. They could have. They could have easily said, me too. Me too, Lord. No, they said, Peter is stupid. What are you doing? No, I, I don't know what they said, but that's what I imagine because none of them offer. None of them were raising their hand. They're like, okay, Peter, go. Yeah. Peter gets out. They miss it. They miss out because of their fear. And, 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 and folks, don't miss the blessing in life of getting out of the boat with the Lord. Verse 30. 
But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. Peter didn't say, Lord, throw me a lifeline. He didn't say, Lord, teach me how to swim stronger. Lord, Lord, show me how to climb a ladder to get out of the water. He said, Lord, save me. Folks, it's that simple. It's that simple for a lost person. It's that simple. Lord, I cannot save myself. Lord, save me. For us as believers, it's that simple. Lord, when we struggle in life and we've got something going, Lord, save me. Peter, and that's the picture there. Peter sunk. We, we know he took his eyes off and he, he became afraid. He got his eyes off the Lord. He began to sink and he said, Lord, save me. And what did the Lord do? He reached down and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, isn't that an interesting statement? Peter, who just walked on water, Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. And I think what he was saying, Peter, if, if that little bitty faith that you had allowed you to walk on water, what could happen if you grew in your faith? What, what could you do with a lot of faith, with a strong faith, with a mature faith? What could you do for me? I think that's what he's saying. The disciples had even littler faith. The other 11 missed out on all of that. Verse 32, and when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. You know, it always, it always, uh, it always leads to worship, doesn't it? You know, when you, that's the last thing I'd say on that is when you get out of the boat, when you get out of the boat and God works the miracles in your life, God's going to get the glory. Because they got back in the boat and they came and worshiped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. And people read that story, and folks love to point out that Peter, Peter failed. I don't think Peter failed. I think Peter, he didn't fail. He, he stumbled. He did what we do. His eyes got off the Lord for a second, and he's sinking. But he called back to the Lord, and we know this, the Lord didn't fail him. And the Lord will never fail us. Peter, I just go back to this, Peter walked on water. And then the Lord picks him up. And when he picks him up, they're going to walk together back to the boat. Peter walks on water twice. He's sunk. Now, now with Jesus, he's going to walk back to the boat. And they'll get in the boat and the storm will calm. It's amazing when Jesus gets in the boat, everything calms down. Everything gets peaceful when he gets in the boat. Peter had faith. He obeyed the Lord. He got out of the boat and he walked on water. And folks, the Lord will always be there when he calls us out of the boat. He's not going to let you sink. He's not going to let you drown. Whatever it is that the Lord's called you to do, whatever it is he wants you to do, he's going to be right there with you. And if he's called you to it, he's got a plan for you through it. Amen? Amen? So let me ask you this morning. I titled this message before it was Courage to Get Out of the Boat. And I renamed it this, Are You, are you All In or All Out? Because when we think about going all in, am I all in? It's a little twist on the words here because when Peter went all in, it means he got all out of the boat. He got all out. If you're going to go all in with the Lord, it means you got to get out of the boat. You got to get out of that boat of your own security, your own wisdom, your own comfort, your own plan, your own desires, 
You got to get out of the boat of yourself and whatever it is that, that you're holding on to. Get out of the boat. Get out of the boat and go to the Lord. Do you have the courage to get out of the boat? Are you courageous enough to do what God is calling you to do? Will you leave your boat of false security and go to Jesus for salvation? This morning, maybe you're sitting here. You never trusted Christ as your Savior. Today's, today's, listen, I know in a crowd this size, there are folks sitting here this morning that do not know the Lord Jesus. There are some of you maybe sitting here who have deceived yourselves that, that because of this or because of that, I'm going to heaven. If you don't have a personal relationship, you have not been born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Folks, that wasn't just for Nicodemus. That's for all of us. We must spiritually be born again. We can only do that when we come to Christ for salvation. Maybe this morning you've never, you've never done that. You've, you, you, maybe you're holding on to your boat, the, the, that boat of false security, whatever that is in your life. I challenge you this morning, get out of that boat and come to the only one who can save you, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll have an invitation in a moment. I'm going to invite you, if, if you need to, step out, come down here. We'll have someone take the, the Bible and walk you right through the gospel, introduce you to Christ this morning. Bible says that I've, you know, the scripture says I have written to you these things that you may know that you have eternal life. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to question. You can know this morning that you have eternal life. And if you've never nailed that down, I invite you this morning to do that. Christian, I have a, some questions for you this morning. Do you have the courage to risk failure? Do you have courage this morning to get out of the boat? Jesus is never going to fail you when he's called you to do something. He's not going to call you to do something and then let you fail at it. He's going to, he's going to be there with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And, and if he is always with you, and folks, he is always with you, then you can always be courageous when facing a fearful situation. Amen, Gina? You can be courageous. I heard her this morning tell somebody, I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's get this surgery done. Let's get it over with. Do you have the courage to obey him? Do you have the courage to tell others about him? Yeah, well, I believe in Jesus, but I just I don't know how to tell anybody else about him. You know what? You need the courage to tell people about Jesus. You need, to, you need to be able to share your faith. You need to share what he's done for you. Do you have courage to turn from temptation and sin? Do you have courage to live a, a holy life dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ? Ask God to challenge you to do something that is so impossible that only God can get the glory and you'll have a story to tell for the rest of your life. Challenge God to challenge you to do the impossible. And he may just say, come on, big boy. Come on, little girl. Maybe you need to say this morning, God, make me a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. I haven't been fully devoted I'm a follower, but I'm not fully devoted. I hold back this part, or I hold back that part, or I hold back that part. Maybe this morning, you need to be a fully devoted, giving everything. Get out of the boat. Your time, your talents, your treasures, get it all out of the boat. Get it all in with him. Maybe this morning, maybe, maybe your prayer ought to be, God, make me a preacher. God, make me a missionary. God, if it really is you, call me to come to you on the water. Maybe it's just right here. 
God, I want to get out of the boat, and I want to serve you right here at First Baptist Geneva. I know there's needs. There's needs in our church. I'm not trying to manipulate you right now. I'm not. I want you, I want you to serve, not because we got needs for service. I want you to serve because it's part of God's plan for how he's going to grow you. Find that area of service where you can serve him and grow. Challenge him, Lord. Lord, where do I need to serve you? What do I need to do? I'll just tell you this in closing, and Pastor Aaron, you and the team can come. You're not too old, and you're not too young to have God call you out of the boat this morning. So this morning, is we're going to, in just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. I, I think we have some this morning that are coming to join. Maybe this morning you need to, you need to come down and talk to somebody about, about a, a relationship with Christ. Maybe this morning you need to, to get that nailed down. You, you don't know that you know that you know that if you died in 10 minutes that you'd spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. Maybe that's something you need to nail down this morning. But Christian, what is it God's doing in your life? What is he calling you to do? What is he calling you to get out of the boat to do? Trust him. Have courage to get out of the boat. Go all in with the Lord by getting all out of your own boat. Father God, I pray that you'll just move this morning in our, in our invitation. As we think about the, the message we've heard, we thought, think about this story, Lord, we've seen the We've seen this, it's been recorded of, of what Peter did. Lord, he stepped out by faith and he walked on water and, and, and he took a little stumble, but Lord, you didn't let him fall. You didn't let him go under. Lord, you pulled him right back up on top of the water and you walked together. What a beautiful picture. Even as we try to walk it alone, we can't do it. But Lord, when we walk with you, we can. And Lord, whatever it is you call us to do, as long as we go with you and it's what you've told us to do, Lord, I believe you're going you're gonna to walk right through it with us. So, Lord, I, I just pray that our hearts would be humbled this morning. And, Lord, we'll respond to whatever it is, Lord, you, you would, would have us to do. So as you speak to our hearts now, may we, may we just be obedient to your leading. Bless now in this time. In Jesus' name we pray.